Father, we stand in awe of your great work. We stand in awe that you sent your only son to be like us so that we could be like you. And so, Father, tonight as we open your word, would you speak to us? Would we sense profoundly your nearness to us this evening? And would we see your glory as the only son of the Father? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of my favorite things in the holiday season, without a doubt, is the never-ending debate about the best Christmas movies, and which movies might even qualify as Christmas movies. <coughs> Die Hard. <laughs> Our family favorite, which we'll enjoy in just a few hours from now, is A Muppet Christmas Carol. And the fact that Michael Caine did not receive an Oscar for that performance is an absolute travesty. But there's another movie, or a trilogy rather, that Laura and I watch every Christmas season, and I hadn't considered The Lord of the Rings a proper Christmas movie until very recently when I read a blog post from a favorite commentator of mine. He writes that, of course, there are elves who distribute gifts to little people. <laughs> a jolly, saintly old man with a long white beard. And of course, the prominent role of trees throughout. Not to mention that the films themselves were originally released in the holiday season, and as each successive film was released, we would re-watch the previous films to get ready for the new film, thus embedding this tradition deeply into our Christmas tradition. But perhaps the most compelling reason for the Lord of the Rings inclusion into the Christmas movie canon is a little detail, an obscure detail, I didn't know about, uh, but it's in Appendix B of The Lord of the Rings, page 1092 uh, in your pew copy. Uh, <laughs> Here we read that on December the 25th in the year 3018 of the Third Age, December 25th, Frodo and the Company of the Ring leaves the safety and splendor of Rivendell with the task of seeing the ring destroyed and the encroaching evil from Mordor vanquished. This small, unassuming band of companions leaves the magnificence and splendor of that Edenic valley because something had to be done about the darkness that shrouded Middle-earth. This is the inauguration of the mission, their mission, to banish the darkness and to set things right once and for all. And so tonight and tomorrow in our Earth, we begin the 12-day celebration of the one who descended from untold glory in the form of a helpless babe to begin to set things right once and for all. He who left not only the warmth and safety of his mother's womb, but the very splendors of heaven began the work of bringing light and life to a dark and hopeless world. It can be pretty easy to, to miss the significance of his arrival. Our readings this evening take us into the very nativity scene. And I don't know about you, but we've collected our family a number of nativity scenes over the years that we cherish. And one in particular I love is that we, we bought it before we went to Africa and lived there for a few years and so we used it during that time. But this beautiful, if not romanticized, image of his birth Christ's birth can become more about the habit of displaying it through the nostalgia that it conjures than the actual reality that it represents. Friends, Jesus came to earth to destroy sin, 
to destroy the flesh and the works of the devil. He came to rescue us from our sin. He came to give us an abundant, joy-saturated life, even in the midst of our sorrows. He came to give us hope that one day the sins and addictions that torment us will torment us no longer. He came to restore broken families and broken marriages. He came to reverse the ravages of sin on our bodies and our world. He came that we would be freed from the illnesses that plague us, that death no longer would have the final word, that those who die in Christ are even now alive in him, and we will be with them one day. And he came to, for once and for all, assert his authority against every name and every power and every authority that would stand contrary to him, that governments and nations and authorities that blaspheme his name, that promote death and destruction, would bow their knee to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. Friends, don't get me wrong. I love the traditions. I love the decorations. I love the Christmas movies. I love the copious amounts of cheese that we will eat over the next few days. I don't know why it's cheese, but it's always cheese. But we, may we be reminded this Christmas, in the, in the midst of our feasting, of the laser-focused objective of his mission. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. If you do not yet know that Jesus, know tonight that he is ready to meet you. He wants to know you. He wants to give you great peace and great comfort to bring you into the fellowship of God himself. It might sound crazy, but the God of the universe knows you personally. He cares for you as an individual. It is, of course, the Lord's way to use the foolish things to shame the wise, what is weak in the world to shame the strong, what is low and despised, Paul writes to the church in Corinth. I imagine that maybe Mary might have felt a bit like a hobbit, when she heard the task set before her. How will this be, she says. How can it be that one so lonely, even a virgin, should bear the very Son of God? Maybe those who approached the manger that evening mused, how can it be that this baby is the true light, which gives light to everyone, the one through whom the world was made, as we read earlier in our passage from John. How can it be that the king of the universe would make his glorious appear, appearing to some shepherds in a cave in a backwater town on the outskirts of the Roman Empire? Well, Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, a little baby born of a virgin. It only works if the one who came was, in fact, more than just a baby. It only works if the presence of the living God literally dwelt within her to sustain her through those sideways glances, the insults, and the arduous journey to Bethlehem on the back of a donkey full term. And so it was. And so it is for each one of us tonight in this room. For Christ's descent into the ordinariness of our humanity is 
the elevation of humankind into God. He desires even tonight to send his Holy Spirit to each of you, to each of us, that we can know the nearness of God, that we can know the nearness of God that Mary felt even as Christ kicked her within the womb. Comes to enable each of us, like Mary, to say yes to God, yes to his presence in our lives, yes to his mission that he's called us to. And not just once, not just a single yes, but an everyday yes. And he comes to enfold us into his kingdom plan, to participate in his glorious victory over sin, death, and the grave. To God be the glory. We'll sing in a few moments. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that we no more may die. Born to raise us from the earth. And born to give us second birth. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. evening, would you give us a glimpse of your glory, Lord Jesus, as we reflect on your word, as we reflect, reflect on your mission amongst us, Lord, fill us with all truth and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. One of my favorite things around the holiday season, my all-time favorite thing, is the never-ending debate on the best Christmas movies. Uh, and perhaps even which, Chris, which movies even qualify as Christmas movies, die hard. Um, but a family favorite of mine that we'll be enjoying in just a, an hour or so from now is a, a Muppet Christmas Carol. And that, Mike, yes, and that Michael Caine didn't win an Oscar for that is an absolute tra travesty. But there's another movie, or a trilogy of movies rather, that Laura and I, my wife, watch each Christmas season... And I hadn't considered The Lord of the Rings a proper Christmas movie until recently when I read a blog post from a favorite commentator of mine. Of course, there are elves who distribute gifts to little people, a jolly, saintly old man with a long white beard, and the prominent role of trees throughout the film. <laughs> Not to mention that the films themselves were originally released in the Christmas season, and each year we rewatch the prior films as a way to pregame for the release of the new films. And so the, the enjoyment of these movies is baked into our holiday tradition. But perhaps the most compelling reason for the Lord of the Rings inclusion in Christmas movie canon is found in an obscure detail in Appendix B of the Lord of the Rings book, page 1092 in your pew copy. Um, here we read that on December the 25th, the year 3018 of the Third Age, Frodo and the company of the Ring leave the safety and splendor of Rivendell with the task of seeing the Ring destroyed and the encroaching evil of Mordor vanquished. This small, unassuming band of companions leaves the magnificence and splendor of that Edenic Valley because something had to be done about the darkness that shrouded Middle-earth. So this is the inauguration of their mission to banish that darkness and to set things right once and for all. And so tonight and tomorrow, 
In our earth, regular earth, we begin a 12-day celebration of the one who descended from untold glory in the form of a helpless babe to also begin to set things right once and for all. He who left not only the warmth and the safety of his mother's womb, but the splendors of heaven began the work of bringing light and life to a dark and hopeless world. It can be pretty easy to miss the significance of his arrival. Our readings this evening take us to the very nativity scene. And I don't know about you, but over the years I've collected a number of nativity scenes that I cherish. One in particular that I love is when we bought before my wife and I moved to Africa and we used it throughout our stay there. And um, it has a special place in our heart. But this beautiful, if not romanticized, image of his birth can be sometimes more about the habit of displaying it or the nostalgia that it conjures than the actual reality behind it, the actual reality that it represents. Friends, Jesus came to destroy the works of sin, the flesh and the devil. He came to rescue each and every one of us from our sin. He came to give us an abundant joy a joy-saturated life, even in the midst of our sorrows. He came to give us hope that one day our sins and addictions that torment us would torment us no longer. Friends, he came to, to rescue and restore broken families and broken marriages. He came to reverse the ravages of sin on our bodies and on this earth that we would be freed from the illnesses that plague us, that death would no longer have the final word, and that those who die in Christ are even now alive in him, and we will be with them one day. And he came to once and, all, once and for all assert his authority over every name and every power that would stand contrary to him, that governments and nations and authorities that blaspheme his name, that promote death and destruction, would bow their knees to the King of Kings, and to the Lord of Lords. That's why he came. Friends, don't get me wrong, I love the traditions. I love the decorations. I love the Christmas movies. I love the copious amounts of cheese that we're about to enjoy over the next few days. I don't know why, it's so much cheese. I'm not complaining, I love it. But may we be reminded that in the midst of our feasting of the laser focused objective of his mission. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. If you do not yet know that, Jesus, know tonight that he is ready to meet you. He wants to know you. He wants to give you his love, his peace, and his great comfort to bring you into fellowship with God himself. It might sound crazy that the God of the universe knows and cares specifically for each of you as individuals. It is, of course, the Lord's way of things, using the foolish things to shame the wise, what is weak in the world to shame the strong, and what is low and despised, Paul writes to the church in Corinth. I imagine that maybe Mary might have felt a bit like a hobbit when the angel Gabriel laid the task before her. How will this be? We hear her say. How is it one so lonely, indeed a virgin, should bear the very Son of God in her womb? 
maybe those who approached the manger that evening mused, how can it be that this baby is the true light, which gives light to everyone, the one through whom the world was made, as we read earlier in our passage from John? How can it be that the king of the universe would make his glorious appearing to some shepherds in a backwater town on the outskirts of the Roman Empire? Well, it was Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, a little baby born of a virgin. It only works if the one who came was, in fact, more than just a baby. It only works if the presence of the living God literally dwelt within her to sustain her through the jeers, the insults, the sideways glances, not to mention a journey on a donkey full term to Bethlehem. But so it was. And so it is for each of us tonight. Friends, for Christ's descent into the ordinariness of our humanity is the elevation of humanity into God and his presence. He desires even tonight to send his Holy Spirit to each and every one of you, that we could know the nearness of God that Mary felt, even as Jesus kicked within her womb. He comes to enable each and every one of us to to give our yes to God like Mary for his presence in our lives and for our involvement in his mission, not just once, but each and every day. And he comes to enfold us into his kingdom plan, to participate in his glorious once and for all victory over sin, death, and the grave. To God be the glory. In a few moments, we'll sing the song, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased with us in flesh to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Mild he lays his glory by, born that we no more may die, born to raise us from the earth, born to give us second birth. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.